Hey, welcome to the uh, Life of America podcast from the Comedy Cellar. Norm Dorman is here and he's so excited. I've never seen him that happy before to be in the show. He's playing Candy Crushers. <laughs> Who, me? Yeah. Listen, today was tough. It's the first day of school. My daughter's having a meltdown about her homework. Oh, right. You know, my, my, you won't, I mean, I'm an Orthodox rabbi here. He won't, um, he won't like this at all. My wife's not Jewish. No, I, I like that. <laughs> he so, likes that I, I'm so down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, but yeah. Yeah, and uh, and uh, we had we had her. This is the part you really won't like. So we well, we had the children converted by a conservative rabbi, which is meaningless to him. But I thought that by converting to Judaism, I would help her scholastic performance. But it uh, it, it doesn't work. I need an Orthodox conversion for that. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, anyway, let's start the show. So comedian Modi's here. Oh, I really you? want to talk to the Orthodox rabbi. Actually, <laughs> we will. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Comedian Modi coming back from uh, sold out shows all over. You on fire? Lately. I was. Uh, it's been busy since our last time. I, I, I'm always so happy when you text me, "Are you available Wednesday?" I say no. That means it's a good sign. If I'm here, it's not a good sign. Oh shit! But I've been uh, Montreal, uh, California, Florida. I don't know how to everywhere. tell you this, but when he's texting you to see if you're available, it's not a good sign for us either. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. See. And uh, comedian uh, Sean Danley will be here in a few minutes. He's hosting the show. As soon as he's done, he will be here. Nobody uh, gives a shit. He's not here. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, Stephen Calabria, one of the uh, producers. Hello. Um, and a rabbi. The coolest rabbi. Rabbi, you know. rabbi Gabriel Bellino of the Sixth Street Synagogue. Bellino uh, sounds Italian. It he is. is. Are you he a is. convert? And my father is. Ah, yeah, but, really? not, not, but not, fully not, orthodox. Not, not your crappy conversion. You know, T talk, talk into the microphone. Not your crappy conversion. A, a little better. It is, a and his mother's Jewish, so he's Jewish. Oh, yeah, so you didn't need a conversion. Right, 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 right. But he runs one of the coolest synagogues in the Lower East Side, and he fights with every other rabbi in in Manhattan about anything. Okay, so but the theory is so, this: you put the children in the in the mikvah. That's what in the mikvah. Yeah. And you say the, the the words. Hocus pocus. And you you know magic words and you dunk them. You have to have your hands off. They gotta do that. And like like electricity or like light, it it just to the heavens and God is notified and he takes their Roldex card and takes it from the Goyim file and puts it in the Jew file. And it happens. Now my question is this when it's a conservative rabbi, does God even feel a twinge? Does he like, does he even notice it and have to say, no, I don't, this is why you bother me for this nonsense. I don't accept it. Or is it just, we're just spinning our wheels and nobody, it's a tree that falls in the forest. It's nothing. All right. So this podcast is about to get less funny. Yeah. Much less funny if that's even possible at this point. Um, so you don't necessarily have to bring God into it. Don't start with that premise. Start with the premise that we're talking about citizenship. And authority likes to control citizenship. We feel that very strongly in this country, one way or another. The authority controls citizenship. And so the ones in power want to be the gatekeepers. The gatekeepers. So you don't have to send it up to God. I, I would believe that God would absolutely respect anyone's decision to join his people. Sure. That's, That's a great beautiful. answer. That's really, really beautiful. 
but the gatekeepers, so they're the ones that are trying to make the rules and enforce them. And they want to be the ones with the hocus pocus. They want to be the ones with the with the pool. They want to be the ones in deci- that are making the decision. And so let's that's think the orthodox. It. And that's, well, it depends who you are and depends what your standards are going to be and how what your community is going to look like, what your family is going to look like. But like in Israel, it's definitely the the, the Robin So like, the problem in Israel is that you have the convergence of nationalism with religion. And so now you have a politi- like politicized rabbinate that are now barely elected, but sort of like they're vested with power by the government. That's a different model. We have a different model here. Here, if you want to send your children to an Orthodox school, you're going to have an Orthodox conversion that's going to make that happen. If that's not what you're interested in, so you're going to do something else. These are all good choices. Depends on your family. Depends what you need. Yeah, my wife won't convert. We, they go to Orthodox Hebrew school, but um, uh, they, they they told us that they won't bar mitzvah for them. Why would you, why 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 do you care if she converts or not? I don't care. Okay, but I want the, I would like the kids to be unassailably Jewish, and they're not not with, as long as people like him walk the earth. <laughs> wow! He just was on your side. He was completely on your I, side. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make it entertaining for the people at home, but a lot, but the Orthodox will not recognize the conversion. Well, and I always like to do this for for, for Norm uh, to to show him how cr- crazy it is. But Norm's father passed away and was born on the same Hebrew birth date. Uh, that pause was you, supposed you, you to be want a cookie. Laugh, no, come on, that's a big thing. What's I a know. big thing? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Moses, that happened to Moses. It happened to many, many of the righteous people. I it's a big. It. Is that? It's a thing. Name one. So uh, Moses, and, yeah. uh, his father. The name to many. three. Uh, uh, no, the fewer uh, the better. No, no, no. There's <laughs> me, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Maybe, maybe it's a thing. All right, so we we have to uh, make a phone call. You must, be, you must be like. Furious um, right now. Punch him right in his face when we get out of here. We'll find, well, you can Google. So, I don't know. Google. So uh, we have an amazing guest. Like really. Speaking of the heavens. Yeah. got to get better at this. Speaking of the heavens. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, oh, Sean is here. So let's let's get Sean on. And then uh, we'll call. Speaking of science fiction. Speaking of science. Uh, what? So, yeah, this nice. is uh, one of the best guests, I think, uh, that we, uh, we're going to have in this show. Like, I really respect his work. And... Uh, he is amazing. Uh, unfortunately, he's not here in the studio. We're going to have to call him. Is he in so, space? Uh, no, he's not in space. But guys, really, I want you to wrap your heads around uh, what he accomplished because he's huge, like really. So, uh, Zach, you ready? Yes. So we're calling Terry Verts, a former Air Force pilot, NASA astronaut, and commander of the International Space Station. He spent over 200 days in space, the third longest consecutive mission. His seven months in space included leading the space shuttle, commanding the International Space Station, three spacewalks, and performing scientific experiments. This is Terry Verts. We're calling him right now. Imagine that, Commander of the International Space Station. That's amazing. It would be really funny if he didn't pick up. That would be awesome. Hello? Terry, how you doing? Good. How's it going? Very good. This is Hatem. I'm here with my co-host Noam Dorman is here. Hello, Terry. Hello, it's good to talk to you guys. Thank you. Also, comedian uh, Modi, comedian Sean Donnelly, and uh, Stephen Calabria. And we also have an Orthodox rabbi here, <laughs> just by coincidence. Orthodox Jewish <laughs> rabbi. Shalom. Shalom. <laughs> Shalom to you. Oh, he is international. I'm, I'm going to call you Commander Terry because it makes me feel like I'm part of something huge. Is that cool? <laughs> that's, that's cool. That'll work. Well, thank you so much for being in the show. Uh, you, you are in New York now today, right? 
Um, actually, on my way today, I'm in Maryland. My mom had an unexpected trip to the hospital, so I'm down here helping out. But I'll be up there in the city coming up shortly. Oh, I uh, hope all is well. Um, well, uh, yeah, it's it's going much better. So thanks. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here. So uh, to start, I I wanted to kind of like divide the interview to like three uh, parts. Like one is your experience in space, and then um, what's going on after you know uh, the future. And in the middle, we'll talk about some, uh, you know, average questions uh, that everybody want to ask. Uh, is that cool? That sounds good. Sounds uh, like a plan. Okay. Uh, so uh, in your time in, uh, in space, uh, it takes nine minutes to get to space, correct? Uh, so yeah. which is more scary for you, uh, launch or re-entry? <laughs> so launch is more exciting and loud and noise and you're smashed in your seat. But re-entry is pretty daunting. You, you've got to go from 17,000 miles an hour to zero. And the only thing slowing you down is burning the underside of your spaceship on the plasma of the atmosphere. So um, that was pretty eye-opening. It doesn't get all the attention like a fiery launch does, but yeah. re-entry is pretty, pretty spectacular. And more dangerous, no? Well, um, I don't know. I you they're both know? dangerous. I mean, the, the word safe doesn't apply to anything really about flying yeah. rockets, but um, I, I think it can be, yeah. I I had heard, well, first of all, what talents do you need to score highly above others to be qualified for space travel? <laughs> um, crazy and lucky <laughs> are probably the two. Do, the, do, uh, they, do you have to have like important very good uh Spatial relations, sense of direction, uh, endurance. endurance. What 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 do they put you through? You, you got to be able to stay in a small confined space with some other with other people for a long period of time. Oh, it's like like getting and married. About, <laughs> Crazy and lucky that will kill you instantly on the other side of that quarter inches of aluminum skin of your spaceship. So yeah, it's like living in a New York City so, apartment, basically. So, so, I said, I said exactly. it's like it's like being married. <laughs> so so there's not a battery of tests that you have to get a certain high score. Oh on? yeah. Like, are, are, well, you know, the, the interview process takes about a year. It's a long, involved thing. And by the time they bring you down there for the interview, they go, they've gone through the last class had 18,000 applications. So wow. one of my, one oh, of my wow. last jobs at NASA before I retired was to sit there and flip through all these applications. So you kind of, by, by the time you weed it down to the final group of a hundred or so, um, everybody's a capable person. They're either a accomplished fighter pilot or a medical doctor or this, you know, amazing scientist. So all, all the people who show up for the interviews are capable people. But during the interview, at least for me, and I think for most other of my colleagues, you're really looking for guys that you want to go spend six months with in, <laughs> you know, a house. Imagine not leaving the house for six months. So it's it just comes you down, and a few other people. Who do, you want? who do you want there? <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. Well, when you, let me ask you a quick question because it kind of it kind of fits into what what Noam just said. Uh, so when you're going through those applications, it just must be so monotonous. What what stands out to get to get an idea of like uh, like the, the quality wise? Like yeah. you, I know you said there's fighter pilots and stuff like that. Are you looking for a certain type of aptitude? Are you looking for something you don't see in the other uh, applications? Like what would you see that would make you go, "Oh, you're definitely coming. You're definitely." No, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really important to stand out. Like one of my, they divide them by groups. So there's the engineers and the medical doctors and the pilots. And, you know, there's, I think five or six different categories. So when I was going through the engineers, 
they were all the same. They started out right. as a junior engineer, and then they were a senior engineer, and they all had the same computer programming languages. Everybody was the same, except every once in a while you'd get a, someone who had a lot of flying experience, which was important, or maybe mountain climbing, or there was a few folks that were like car mechanics or, you know, race, race car, legitimate NASCAR kind of mechanics. Like common sense type stuff. Yeah. Just something that made them stand out. International experience was really important for me because it's the international space station and you're up there with foreigners. And uh, so you, you know, you have to be able to learn other languages. And so people who have lived overseas, um, extensively was that was that was another big thing for me so when when you have to be good at math (laughs) sure i was a math major Uh i think you have to go be good under pressure too like that's Uh, of course under pressure have you seen armageddon that that is yeah that's me math tests are a good way of uh yeah so so when you when you were the commander of the uh international space uh station there was uh a lot of uh, other nationalities right were Russians in the middle of the crisis between us and Russia, correct? I, I was there right in the middle of it, yeah. We had Which uh, crisis? the Ukraine civil the war Ukraine, was going oh. on, the Crimea annexation, sanctions. Oh. They shot down that Dutch airliner. So all that stuff was happening. And I was going to Russia every few weeks to train. And I, I flew with these Russian cosmonauts, who, by the way, are my great friends. In fact, I just did this latest project. We set a world record flying around Earth. And... Um, in an airplane and we stopped and we picked up Gennady Padalka, who was one of my cosmonaut buddies that I flew in space with. Oh, wow. And he flew on part, he flew on part of this project that we called one more orbit. So, um, yeah, we had a great time together and, uh, I'm making a movie about it. And actually he, (laughs) the scenes with him are one of the best parts of the movie. They're, they're definitely the funniest, I think scenes that we have. You're making a movie for what? About the one One more orbit. orbit. Yeah, this is kind of my new my new career. I, they, I had the opportunity to direct this documentary about it. And it'll be available on, what, on Netflix or something. Yeah, we well we're gonna start. We're almost done editing it. I got to go out to LA twice more to finish the edit, and then we're gonna start shopping it around. So Netflix or Amazon or something like that. Yeah. Awesome. The, the ISS, like I don't know a ton about it, but is it an actual stop off situation? Is there multiple nations that are that ISS is International Space Station? I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, so yeah, infuriated yeah. that you even used the initials for that. <laughs> Who do you think you are? You are uh, you're hosting the comedy show downstairs, and you're thro- if you ever do that again, <laughs> I'm trying to stream. horrible. I'm, I'm sorry, to, Command. I'm, I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry he threw that around like that. I'm trying to streamline the Infuriating. conversation. Oh, you are showing off. But go ahead. Go ISS, uh, but but is it yeah, really? Is, is uh, it? Don't you call the ISS? Right ISS is not the nickname for it. Uh, yeah, they call it they, that. They, <laughs> but you're <laughs> not <laughs> they. You're not they. <laughs> but is it? Is it a stopover situation? Do multiple nations space programs? Do they? Do their? Uh, does their hardware stop there? Is there? Is it an actual place for pla- where 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 ships can dock, or is it? Uh, is it usually just. Oh a, yeah, yeah. 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 So we have. Uh, there's a bunch of different ports, and actually, my when I flew the shuttle. My job was I finished building the space station. I, I brought up the last two modules, and they were both made in Italy. Um, oh, wow. So uh, they had good food <laughs> while we were over there getting them ready. But uh, there's a Japanese cargo ship that flies. There were I was there for the final European cargo ship, this thing called ATV. There's Russian cargo ships, um, and then there's American. There's SpaceX, Northrop Grumman. So there's several different companies or countries send these, you know, vehicles full of food and underwear and equipment and stuff. 
Um, and they all dock, and di there's different ways they dock. But weren't yeah. you nervous about getting in something made by the Italians? I mean, you know, a Fiat, Fiat. you fix it all the time. <laughs> I, 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 I saw a Fiat joke <laughs> heading. No, but I'm serious. Like they, these Italians, like they have a lot of stylish cars, but they're not known for being reliable. Well, Ferrari, Lamborghini, they, they all break the, down. They. Yeah, they made this thing called Cupola. It's the best-looking module on the space station. It's everybody's favorite one. <laughs> I, actually, I, I actually saw a, an interview with you regarding, uh, you talking about the design philosophy between the American and the Russian. It was very interesting. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the water system is a great example. Americans have this fancy recycling system that's really important because it costs twenty dollars or $30,000 a pound to launch stuff into space. And water is heavy, right? So you can recycle humidity in the air, basically your sweat, and, and you can recycle urine, and you can recycle any kind of water. It goes through this fancy multi-million dollar system. Uh, carbon dioxide that you breathe out gets recycled also. So it's a really great system. It helps make lots of water and oxygen to breathe, but it's super complicated. And I spent two weeks entire weeks trying to fix and repair these things because they would break down on the Russian segment. There's a tank of water. And if you want some water, you, there's like a handle that you pump and you got a little hose and you drink the water. So it's, it's like, so it's like earth. It's wow. But it works all the time. So let me ask you this. How do you, water, you on, can go get water. On the, the Russian American system is very complicated. It does amazing things. It just is expensive and breaks down. But on the Russian side, both together on, is a good thing. On the Russian uh, side, how do you, it's a good mix. on the Russian side, how do you get milk? I'd love to think what, what, what's your thoughts about Israel launching uh, uh, Genesis is that what it was called no one cares yeah. British, you know what I mean no one yeah. cares Israel Israel one of the smallest oh, countries huge. there's only huge, only four countries well, in the world Israel have put something on the moon it was like a businessman what, well, Israel is of like of course the, it was a business it was a businessman Morris Khan Morris Khan I actually know him and he's a it's amazing, but are you Israel, know him? You just made fun of me for ISS, and you're saying you know yeah, this guy. Yeah. I know, I know. A you know what, Sean? I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, but he put this thing on for only sixty million dollars. Israel oh landed something on on the moon. It was amazing. Yeah, it's it amazing. They, they they got that thing to the moon. It was it was an amazing project. It it, it was inspirational, right? People all around the world are following this thing. Is he really third cool. party? Yeah. If, if it had been a NASA, it would have been six billion dollars, right? Sixty billion. So well, yeah. it's good to be a Jew, I guess. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Commander, I have a question, uh, and and I promise uh, this is not a rhetorical question. It's not meant to be disrespectful. With so oh, many no. people, the worst intro oh. ever. With so many people oh. in America living in poverty. Poverty. Uh, why oh, is uh, space travel an important endeavor, an important investment? I can answer this question. Right. Go ahead. Well, let, here's, here's what I noticed. We, I got into space on Endeavor, believe it or not, the space shuttle Endeavor. We, we get up there, and you have, they have these big payload bay doors, right? Like the cargo doors opened up, and, we, and they told us our mission cost about a billion dollars. We didn't launch a billion dollar bills out in space. All those dollar bills were spent down here on earth on engineers having good engineering jobs on providing you know people a reason to go to college and study engineering to do this and on technology like water purification systems or advanced like carbon dioxide recycling or, or all these different technologies so it, it's actually of all the money the government spends nasa probably has the highest return on investment and the money's not spent in space it's spent down here on the planet so 
Um, but I get that. It's an important question, especially with the deficit we're running. You know, do, are we going to continue to borrow money from the Chinese to fund the space program? And so we need to figure out how to do things more efficiently. But in the long run, of all the money the government spends, I think improving technology and having, you know, that tech that can spill over into industry is not a bad right. not a bad way to spend Thank money. you, Commander. Compared I feel vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what they say about, I read a thing about the, the, when the exoplanets things, when that woman, uh, they, they interviewed Sarah Schaefer, who was d- discovering all these exoplanets, and they asked her, if we can't get to these planets right now, why are we Why are we even trying? And she said, because if you try to develop technology that can get there, it advances our technology on this planet for other like useful, practical, everyday stuff. Like you said, oh, water absolutely. filtration systems and all like stuff that can help people that are you know in poverty possibly so that that makes sense yeah, I, I reject every yeah, aspect of that question yeah the water purification i was telling you about there are we're making these like simple versions to send to haiti and africa and places where they don't have drinking water so yeah there's there's definitely benefits here look um, again, on the planet i i agree with you, everything you said but i would also want to add that there is something inherently human and valuable about conquering the atmosphere and, and traveling into space and we could set any dollar spent off against poverty. I would go so far as to say that I don't think, I, I don't think of it. It's I, I think space travel is more important than that money going to Defense. alleviate poverty, even though it wouldn't go to alleviate poverty. It's a, it's a, it's a false Trade-off. It's not like they, oh, they have a billion dollars, so let's give it yeah. to the poor. When you go, yeah, we just transfer but, over. But, but we die inside as a nation if we just if we if everything becomes secondary to fighting poverty, which will always be with us. We're never going to get rid of poverty. Well, you got you got to put you got to put everything in perspective. Astronauts. astronauts would be poor if we didn't have a space program. So it is fighting poverty. <laughs> yeah, <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> so so what what kind of scientific experiments do you perform like in space? Like you. you when you're in the station, yeah. So the science um, on my on the station flight when I was the commander, we had over 250 different experiments. Basically, anything you can major in in college, there's an experiment. Biology. I was a guinea pig. I did all kinds of experiments on my own body. Uh, chemistry, physics, astronomy, Me psychology. Too. There's different <laughs> engineering. Lots, lots of different stuff. Okay, and 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 how do you like when you go back to, to you know to Earth? How how do you feel physically? How long does it take you to 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 return to like normal? Like, are you like yeah, a bad hangover? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is actually, and it's for me. Um, after my first flight, I felt really heavy. I felt like I was a superhero, and there was some bad guy with like a magnetic ray sucking me down into my bed and I couldn't move. Oh, wow. um, and on my second flight, it was, I was there for 200 days and I just felt really dizzy. Like I could walk and I could move around and I could do things, but I hated it. I just felt terrible. I was oh, wow. dizzy and I didn't throw up, but man, I felt like crap, but I got better really quickly. The first day was not good. And then it was like a couple bottles of wine. I mean, it was really dizzy. The second day was like a couple of glasses of wine. And the third day was like maybe a glass of wine. It wasn't that bad. And then by the end of the first week, they did this balance test that they had done before I launched. Mm -hmm. And after a week, I actually scored better than I had before I launched. Um, In fact, I landed, you land in Kazakhstan, you take a helicopter to the airport, then you take this business jet. They have a bed set up for you. They, They fly back 24 hours later, you're in Houston. So 24 hours after landing. 
I landed in Houston. I went to the gym to start doing my rehab because your muscles are sore and you got to get back to gravity. And um, I had gotten his driver's license while I was in space. So as soon as I was done at the gym, he's like, all right, dad, we're going car shopping. So he, he took me to the Ford dealer to look at F-150s. And uh, it, was, it was pretty awesome. I was amazed. Like, I was just in space for almost seven months, 24 hours ago. And here I am. Dri- I wasn't driving. He was the one driving. But um, uh-huh. I, I was shocked how quickly I recovered. And how old were you at the time? Um, I don't know, late 40s. Oh. It was just a couple years ago. Oh, wow. Now, Commander, I've also yeah. heard of this thing called astronaut worship syndrome. Is that really something that exists? <laughs> oh, my God. Who told you that? <laughs> I did. <didn't>. Uh. <laughs> what is that? No, it's just... We, we call it AWS. My... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes, Sean. <laughs> it's NASA, so we have, a, we have an acronym. It's just funny. This is, it's uh, something that my friends give me a hard time about. <laughs> is it, have you experienced it yourself? Is it like groupies? Well, yeah, kind of like that. Like, it it happens with celebrities so a lot. There's, there's celebrity, right? So when you guys walk down the streets of New York, you're probably mobbed. You got to have bodyguards and stuff like that. Right. So astronauts, no one knows us, you know, unless you're, uh, unless you're nobody. There's nobody that anybody knows nowadays, unless you put on the blue jacket, right? And if you put on your NASA thing, you're doing a NASA <laughs> talk, then everybody's like, ooh, ah, they're all excited about it. But then as soon as you, this talk's over and you take your jacket off, no, it's back to like, hey, buddy, get out of the way. You know, no one, no one knows you. So it's actually a great way to be kind of a pseudo celebrity because you can impact people and inspire people and people are excited, but then you can go to the grocery store in your shorts and no one cares. So but I, I, mean, I, would, I would just wear I the spacesuit yeah, all the time. I think the question is why would you take it off? But, but, but I mean, like even if I wore that jacket, it's not going to work for me. Like no. I think you have to look why I could be in space. Because n- not ISS, but ISE will show up and pull you away. I no, you I mean see, I, 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 see I, I, I almost had it. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Modi. He's trying to say I. Oh, Modi. Uh, by the way, are you old enough to? I guess you're not old enough. I mean, you, you came on the tail end of it. To remember, uh, I'm 57. The the absolute adulation and craze there was about astronauts in like the late 60s and early 70s, where uh, you know I dream of genie and all, so many of the. Oh, yeah. It was just such a recurrent. Theme. Like when the right uh, stuff came out, the movie. No, this is long before the right stuff. This that. is this is oh. like twenty years prior to that. Oh. Space and it's like This is this is in the in a few years prior to the moon landing, and the few years after that, when uh, as little kids we all wanted to have space helmets and we wanted to drink that was me. tang. Yeah, that was and me. that was really your dream. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, the first book I read was about Apollo when I was in kindergarten. It's a story I tell all the time that I, I can remember a little cardboard. Wow. Book, reading it and uh yeah back in the day astronauts would write a check for something and they wouldn't cash it because they wanted their signature so that was a pretty good deal <laughs> oh wow uh, now they they cash my check whenever i write uh, so so I, I i feel that um that and that's why i'm all for uh the space program and for and for conquering new challenges because having lived through that that was a time when we felt very good about ourselves as a country, we we're very, very patriotic and uh, in it, but in a nice way for, for a, for a wonderful accomplishment. And right. I, I think that was very important at that time. And we need those things to, to bind us as a nation. And that was like, uh, you know, I hate to bring in politics, but when, when Trump would, would say, make America great again, it meant different things to different people. 
uh, and it meant a lot of bad things to many people. But one of the things it always reminded me of was that when I was a kid in the space program and going to the moon and anything great happened, it happened in America. And that was a very positive experience as a young boy growing up in, in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. The plaque that Neil and Buzz left on the moon said, we came in peace for all mankind. And I was at this, um, when I was an F-16 pilot, I did this air show in Corsica, France. And I speak French. I did a, I went to the French Air Force Academies. Anyway, and I met this old, 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 old guy. And he comes up to me and he's speaking French. And this is before I was an astronaut. I was just a F-16 pilot. And he's like, in, in French, you're Americans. You landed on the moon. Like the one thing that this old French countryside guy who probably never left the island in his whole life, the one thing in his mind was, Americans went to the moon. I mean, that was a that was pretty good for branding. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, that, sure. yeah. So, so yeah. you know, you you had a dream to be an astronaut, and, and the Russians yeah. failed, which and is the other the flip the flip side of it, which was important at that time too. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> I know you don't want to say anything bad about your cosmonaut friends, but I don't mean it badly. But it's just the, it, that that was part of our self confidence that we had done it where others had not been able. Space to. race. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so, it was kind of did, like, yeah. yeah. They, they had a moon. Uh, rocket, but it blew up a couple times, and they never uh, said. Although, if you had a Russian on your um, show right now, he would remind you that they were actually the first people in space. Uh, sure. You know, Yuri Gagarin. Gagarin. Slow and steady and wins the race. In orbit. Yeah. 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 Did, no. you, did you ever meet Ilan Ramon, the Israeli? Uh, uh, we just. <laughs> what? Who cares about? I, we're asking him international yeah, questions. I was very close with Ilan. My job on that mission, SCS-107, was actually family escort, and I was especially or specifically assigned to the Ramon family. So I'm wow. really so I well uh, I know well I know the whole family very well. So so so, so do I. I mean, tragic stories that happened, but I was actually there for his. Um, well, before you take off, you you they, they, there's a party for the family, but the but the, the the member of the family actually can't come to the 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 party because yeah. they're in. You were at the Hilton. I was at the Hilton. I performed and did a little show. Beach. Yep. So I did that. Uh, I did a little. She asked me to, to, to do a little stand up for them. Oh, not only that, he took to the space station. Uh, he took, I'm sorry, on the trip, they give you, they let, they let you take something personal and stuff. Yeah. He, he took yeah. a, a Torah from, uh, there was, there the was, right. They, they from went through the, the concentration camp. Right. Yeah. And he also took one of my CDs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're joking. I'll show you. A, I'll show you a picture. Uh, I'll show you a picture. I, I, and honestly, that's quite the good look. So start burning. Yeah. And I have pictures of CD fragments that they found. So that's the CD. Okay. That's my CD. See, that's his um, plan. He wanted to leave the Torah there that to say. Amazing. Yeah, that's. I was a part of that whole. They, they were very. My sister. They lived in Houston. They used. But we spent every holiday with them. We because my sister li right. li lives in Houston. So it was. Uh, yeah. It was so what's your name again? Modi. M O D I. Rosenfeld. Modi, okay. Yeah. Modi Rosenfeld. Do you know the Goldbergs, Marty and Susie Goldberg? Oh. Um, They're in Toronto. No, I don't. They helped out a lot in that whole thing. Anyway, yeah, the, Elon Ramon was literally like one of the best human beings I've ever met. He was such a, he was a great guy. Just a, unbelievable, yeah. Just like a unbelievable guy. He really was awesome, yeah. So, so yeah, so, I know them very well. It's, so I, you, you were able to, uh, you know, accomplish, you know, uh, your dream, like you always thought, I want to be an astronaut. So what, like, what do you think there is, like, if you give us like a recipe for a success from your end, what would that be? So, yeah, not just for um, being an astronaut, but in life in general, the, the one thing I always tell people, it's like my, my, my thing is don't tell yourself no. 
if there's something that you want to do, if you have some, you know, everybody's been given gifts and talents and whatever, um, you got to follow it. If you don't, you won't get it, whatever it is. If you want to be a doctor, if you want to have a family, if you want to be an astronaut, if you want to be a comedian, whatever, um, you have to go for it. Cause if you don't, then you'll get old and you'll regret never trying. So I think that's, you know, super important. And the other one is do, do something that you like and enjoy. And if you do, then you'll do well at it. If you kind of torture yourself and do stuff you don't want to do, you're never going to have fun. You're not going to be that good at it. So I think, I think it's that two things. Don't tell yourself no, and then find your passion, something you enjoy, and then you'll do well. Okay. So right now you're also transitioning to the entertainment business. Uh, which one? I is am. Yeah. yeah I, I completely changed my life in a big way. Yeah. Great. That that that's huge. You know. Uh, so you're also you're doing book deals and also movies, correct? That's right. Yeah. I've got my second book. I just turned in the first draft of the manuscript, so I got to. I'm gonna have to start rewriting that probably next week. Um, and it's fun. I love being an author. I love um, telling stories and communicating. And then as part of this one more orbit, I was talking about this around the world record we set flying over the poles. Um, originally, I was gonna be a pilot on it. And then the whole thing, it went on hold for a few years. And then when it happened, it was last minute. So I didn't have time to get trained as a pilot. And they said, well, why don't you just make a movie out of it? So we got like a, a budget and editors and we're getting our own soundtrack. And it's like a, a full-blown movie that we're making and i That's awesome i got to direct it um of course the, I'm in the it, imax one right i love it i love it it's really cool it's really it's really cool um i don't think it's going to be we didn't film it in imax so it's not going to be like at the local science center it, it may be um but uh, there's another imax project that uh uh some friends were, were hoping to do an everest movie next year um and uh so yeah, there's a couple other projects. I want to do a documentary about gun violence. I got some, uh, some stories in my brain. So I've got, I have all these projects. I want to do a TV show. I, I heard, um, I heard a rumor that you it, are it, auditioning for a TV show that? right now. I heard a rumor that you are auditioning for a TV show right now. Yeah. Yeah. I just did a, I just did a, a two hour audition uh, a couple weeks ago, which was really cool. Like I've never done that before. It's all, it's all kind of new stuff. So we'll see where it goes. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, Hollywood. It's a tough industry, uh, but it's cool. And it, and that's how I think by telling stories is how you impact people. Like mm -hmm. that's how you kind of change the world. Um, and so it's a fun, I think it's a fun way for me to go do meaningful things and have fun doing it. Uh, Commander, Command I, I, Commander Verts. Um, my yes, friend, sir. my friend, Sean Donnelly here. Can you please <laughs> tell him once and for all that there <laughs> are no, when I, when I I'm tried, talking here, when I tried, that, you that there me. are no little green men in space that, that, well, that, that uh, Mr. Kazoo from, uh, <laughs> the Flintstones was nothing more than a figment of their imagination. Well, let him ask his Hello, question. Dum -dum. Kazoo. That's what he used to say. Hello, dum dum. <laughs> Hello, dum dum. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, Commander. here, uh, Commander, uh, I, you know, I wanted to ask you. You know I, Stanley Kubrick, right? Uh, of yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he he actually filmed the moon landing. Well, that was, I, I've heard that theory before. Yeah. But yeah. I don't buy into yeah, that. But, but he's such a, he's such a perfectionist. He had to film it on scene. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there's all these, there's all these like conspiracy theories. And if you think Absolutely, about it, but, but know, what there's I... like 400,000 people at NASA and 
you know, the president of the United States couldn't cover up one person. And so how can 400,000 people, you know, hold a secret for that long? So. Right. But well, then how did they kill Epstein? They didn't kill Epstein. Go ahead. They killed Epstein. Of course, um, of course, anybody who believes in UFOs believes they killed Epstein. That's, just, that's, not, that's not, a no brainer. It's not so much UFOs, but I, I don't know if you've been keeping up with what's going on with that topic. It's not little green men. What it is, is there, there's, there's, there's some, uh, there's some substance coming to this, this topic in the past couple of years. It all started with a with an article in the New York Times uh, two years ago that was by multiple authors, and uh, it was about a group called ATIP that was part of the Department of Defense, uh, which, which had to deal with aerial threats. Uh, have you been following it at all, or do you know about it? Uh, um, the reason I asked is because they had recently of because of these recently Navy because of these articles. Let them talk. Some weird objects. Yeah. So what happens is. Two yeah. things. One is uh, because of these articles, there's two. There was the the original and the follow up. And uh, because of these articles, they had a closed door session of Congress where Navy pilots went in and told their eyewitness testimony. And because of that, they changed the reporting of what happened. So it used to be like if these Navy pilots saw something back in the day on one of these aircraft carriers, they would be told, "Hey, you're going to take a, a little bit a leave, or you're going to go see somebody." And now there's actual they do an investigation. Um, I, that's 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 what I read on. That's what I read. Uh, it's a, a documentary on the on the History Channel about it. Yeah, uh, there's a show yeah. on the History Channel about it. But the other thing is, uh, to me, it's it's a lot of pilots. It, it, uh, this is why I think that maybe you uh, you might not know about what's going on because it's mostly on the pilot angle of stuff. There was a an incident that happened in 2004. It's called the USS Nimitz. It's called the Tic Tac UFO. It's based off this one guy's. It's it's four pilots that saw. An object. It's a whole. It's a whole long story. I'm not going to recount the story, but basically, like through. I don't know what you can say, but through the grapevine, can you tell Noam that it's not <laughs> little green men? What it is is people are seeing that it's becoming more believable. It's becoming more uh, substantive. It's becoming. It's becoming a real thing. Am I am I wrong about that? Is it a complete conspiracy, or what is your what's your take on it? Like, because I love. I'm open to any any yeah, thought. Yes, on please. This. When you finish laughing, please tell us the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, so no, I, I actually I know um, some of the people who were involved with that actually. So it's pretty amazing. I mean, they have F-18. They call it HUD or gun camera footage. You know the right, video the, camera. The FLIR, yeah, the FLIR, whatever. It's pretty. It, it's pretty amazing stuff. H- here's the thing, like. It's a huge universe. I mean, they're at nighttime on the space station. You turn all the lights off, like I suggest, and the sky is just full of stars. Like you can't see anything but stars everywhere. Right. It's amazing. Um, and then we're finding planets around them. So you would think, with all those planets out there, that there's life somewhere. You would think, but right. then on the other side of that, the more I studied my own body, like I do ultrasounds on my eyeball, on my heart, and I just, I, I life is such a crazily complex thing. I don't think it happens on its own. I think somebody has to make it. So on the one hand, you think there's aliens out there, but at the end of the day, those planets are so far away. I mean, they're like so hundreds of light away. So even if there's green men, how are they going to find, like, how would they even get here? So far away. And then if they're coming at, you know, we've been sending signals out. So they've been watching like the three stooges and and Uh. Dallas and all these TV shows we've been sending out. And, when they Sean's come in, they're going to see the they're going to see the footage of Trump <laughs> and Kim at their thing, and they're going to turn around and go somewhere else. Oh, they've so, been, been listening um, to Modi CDs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so, well, the, well, the thing about yeah, it is, is that they're going to come here. The more they're realizing, the, 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 they just had another thing in the in the uh, online about how 
the universe is even bigger than they thought it was. Uh, the amount of galaxies and and, and uh, Sean, he just said he doesn't think they came here. Yeah, but here's the thing: <laughs> don't pretend like, he did. Don't pretend he didn't say you, but, it. But he but, was nice. He set up saying it's amazing things, whatever it is. But the <laughs> the last sentence, like the Mueller report, the commander's so, career is well, about to go you, into high. Right, no, no, no evidence. No evidence. You said iPod. Nimitz. I, I have a. I, you let, said let, hold let, on. Let, you, you said you knew people that were involved in the Nimitz incident. They, I've seen interviews with David Fravor, who is the is the main the point guy on that, and he has said right. on interviews that he doesn't think that it's us that that created this technology. I'm not saying it's little green men. I'm just saying if it's AI, he thinks it's from somewhere else. If you know people involved in that, do you think it's a hoax or do you think are you willing to like what do you think it well, is if you know, know people involved? I, in that? Look, I know fighter pilots. I spent I, I had been one for 30 years. I think they're reasonable people. It's not just one guy, the David Fravor guy. There's just, there's some other. No, there's tons. Um, they've it's, got they've got radar data, you know. The, yep, the, they were tracking those things for two like weeks, right? Really high altitude, instantly. So, who knows? I don't know. I, I didn't see it myself. So, no, right, of um, course. But I'm just saying, it's, like, it's a pretty amazing story. It but, really is. But would you agree to this then? On the well, the one part that I said about now, you you you're in you know, the military career. You, you had you know the, the 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 hero in the in the in the space the space program. Would you agree to the fact that? If back in the day, if you said you saw something, would you get sent to a room and have to talk to somebody? Like, how do they handle that thing? You know what I'm saying? Like, is that is that yeah, a correct oh, assessment a, a of how they yeah, treat that? Course. Oh, I'm sorry. What'd you say? Yeah, there's a total stigma, and, and nobody wants to be the UFO guy, right? Right. Nobody wants to be the UFO. You guy. want to fit in. You want to be the. Fight. I'm going to go drop bombs on the bad guys. That's the guy you want to be. You don't want to right. be a UFO guy. So right, yeah, which course. which I think kind of you know it kind of dictates what you know. Well, that's uh, interesting. So tell us, how does it feel being the UFO guy around here? <laughs> <laughs> because so <laughs> let me tell you, I, people I, think you're nuts. I have a question. Just uh, something I, I felt while you were, you were you were discussing. Does you know being in space all that time and being all there? Does that make you believe there is a god or or there's he no just, God. He just I know, I know, but I want to touch on that yeah. a little bit more. No, no, no. Yeah. So the way I came about, I just realized, just seeing the universe, it's such an amazing place and learning about biology and how cells work and all this stuff. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I mean, it's just such an incredible thing. When you, if you find something simple like a glass, it didn't make itself. Somebody had to make it. And life is infinitely more complicated than a drinking glass, right? So I just think it's, it's kind of obvious that somebody made this universe that we live in. Um, you know, how you believe in God, whatever, you know, you can debate that. But for me, it's pretty obvious there's a creator. It's just, it's too complicated. Otherwise my son's a chemical engineering major. We were talking about cells and he was telling me there's like between millions and trillions, it depends on the cell in your body, but there's millions, billions, or trillions of molecules in each one of your cells, just in each one. So for all those things to randomly line up and right. make a cell on its own, like that would never happen. Well, we're basically um, so. we're we're basically bio bio machines because there's you know a lot of that's electricity based, correct? Yeah, right. The electricity runs your brain. You know, it's a it's a super fancy computer. I'm dealing with that right now. Family in the hospital and seeing their brain go from not functioning to being all messed up to working perfectly normal. It's like. It's amazing, you know how that how that all happens, and so I think it's pretty cool. I, I don't so, dwell uh, on it a lot, but I, I came away from space. That was kind of my takeaway. Like I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Is this about religion? This I, I want to say one more thing about religion. So you know, I, I don't. I'm I'm pretty. Uh, I'm not a believer, 
But I do right. want to just comment that, and this is what made me think about while you were speaking, which is that it's become almost shorthand these days, especially on the left of politics, to associate religious belief with um, low intelligence or kind of a... Right. Uh, and yet, it sh everybody should remember that there are people of very high IQs, like I'm assuming the commander has, and who are very sophisticated in their knowledge of science, who still nevertheless believe in religious ideas, which ought to make everybody stop and think before they want to disparage people for being religious. Anyway, go ahead, Stephen. What do you want to say? Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, Sorry, you want to answer? You want to comment on that? Please do. Well, I, I would just say it's it's really disheartening to see you know people making fun for. It's like some people are very tolerant as long as you believe what they believe. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't believe what they believe, they're not very tolerant. So um, yeah, and I'm not even honestly. I'm not talking about religion. I'm just saying in general. I think yeah. in general, so I believe uh, there's a god. Like somebody made this because it's such an amazing place. I'm not. I'm not. You know, espousing a religion over another religion. So uh, I, I, I'm a Christian. I'll tell you that I'm a Christian. Well, I, I, I have to yeah. say that I, I think the biggest leap is to accepting that there's a God. After that, if there is right. a God, it's pretty clear that Judaism is the religion you're choosing. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, so <laughs> Modi, what's your opinion? I thought about converting. That's really just like tripping over yourself at that point. I, listen, I mean, you should think about, <laughs> if you're going to Hollywood, you should definitely think about converting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so I think about. Here's the thing about Judaism. It confused me. You get on the elevator in the hotel on Saturday and like every button is pushed on the elevator. I that's, so that's, confused. that's I'm called, like, why am yes. I going to the 29th floor and I have to stop on every floor in between. That, that's we, called we believe the Shabbat deeply, elevator. We believe deeply in technicalities. That's what it is. It's not somehow. <laughs> I have a whole routine about, I have a whole routine about how that elevator began World War II. <laughs> and in another podcast, well, listen, I want to, I want to get, we have an Orthodox rabbi here. I wanted to, because that is one thing about the whole Orthodox Jewish thing, which is, irks me beyond belief the idea that god is so petty that he thinks if you press an elevator button that's not okay but if you press them all the day before that that's that somehow let you off the hook what kind of fucking god i mean if that is the god we're dealing with we're all in big trouble aren't we i mean this is this is all right, so now steven you had a question uh, yeah Go ahead. before before i said so stop I, I, th I think that, uh, you know, uh, you have a great experience and, and there's a lot of th ways that you share this with us. So uh, one of it, I want to talk about your work. So books first, right? Uh, you have the first book. Can you tell us about right. your first and second book quickly? Yeah, so I'm writing a, the, the next book I'm writing is called The Art of Space Travel. It's a collection of essays, um, things you need to know before you go into space, like, you know, how to handle emergencies on the shuttle. What do you do if your crewmate dies? What do you do with his body? Um, if you get stuck in space, how do you, uh, you know, how do you get the engine lit to come back to Earth? Uh, have people had sex in space? So anyway, so there's all these kind of random, interesting things about space. And then a friend of mine and I, we, we got together because of the Apollo 50th anniversary this year, you know, the moon landing uh -huh. was 50 years ago. And we just had this crazy idea where we reproduced the Apollo 11 flight plan, which is like the checklist that you take on a space mission at, at one hour in a mission, you're doing this procedure and five hours in this procedure. So the Apollo 11 flight plan is the whole outline of their mission from start to finish. And there's this company in DC called Book Arts and they do like the world's best books. They do like Italian leather and 
23 karat gold. They're just spectacular. They've done, I think, a thousand or two thousand head of state gifts for when the president goes to meet the Pope, they make the gift that he gives to him. And um, so anyway, so they reproduce this flight plan. It's pretty, it's spectacular. I've never seen anything like it before, but so we just did a short limited edition Apollo flight plan and it's pretty cool. It's It's coming out now. Again, it just, we just finished it. It's out now. Um, I got a website, apolloflightplan.com. You can check it out. And, um, it's pretty cool. Like I said, it's the, the, they're probably the best. There's no one like them. I don't think in the world, they, they're pretty awesome. And, uh, they did this, we, we did 500, um, a limited edition of it. Oh, wow. Can, can I ask a question? When you go into space, sure. maybe they, do they give you something to kill yourself in the event that, you know, you're <laughs> stuck out there? I'm being told like, Right. I think the Apollo guys did actually for being on the moon. Cause if that engine My didn't CD. light, they were stuck <laughs> on the moon. Um, but now, especially ever since Columbia, because those guys didn't have a rescue ship, unfortunately. And after that, we started having rescue ships. So I think they, I don't know if they were given the, I, I don't know when they stopped. I know they were doing it back in the sixties. And at some point I think they stopped giving that, giving that medicine. Um, but, but what, uh, yeah, I did not, is, I did not what, have that. Didn't you want, what, what happens if you're stuck there? I mean, well, you you got the rest of your life to figure out how to, how to, <laughs> how to get the engine started. Well, I, I have a question, sir. Uh, through all of the years of training, I imagine that you had to go through in order to get there. What was it when you finally got there for which you were just completely unprepared, like psychologically or? Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Seeing the Earth. So I thought I knew what I was getting into. I'd seen all the IMAX movies. By the way, I got to make an IMAX movie. But Tony Myers was our director. She made them all ever since the 80, every IMAX space movie you've ever seen, she directed. And I got to make her final one. It was such an honor. It was awesome. And I had seen my fellow astronauts photography and I read a bunch of books. I thought I knew what I was getting into. And then that first view of the earth in the daylight was just overwhelming. And I had to, I mean, I was a shuttle pilot. Like I had to fly the space shuttle. So it was like, Okay, look inside, fly the, fly the spaceship, don't look outside. It was just, the Earth is so beautiful. And, well, and the really weird thing about it that I wasn't really prepared for emotionally is you're not on Earth anymore. Like, everybody you've ever known, your entire life, everything is on this planet. This is just, imagine being an ant walking around your little two-dimensional world. The ant doesn't know anything about the rest of your house. All he knows is that tile in the kitchen, right? Um and that's kind of the way we are on earth. Like that's, this is our whole existence. And all of a sudden I wasn't there anymore. So I was like, somewhere else besides my planet. And that was emotionally powerful. It was, it was cool. It wasn't like, you know, sad or anything. It was, a, yeah. it, was a, it was a neat feeling, but it was, it was definitely, I had not thought that through. I didn't realize how powerful that would be. Did you worry at all that when you landed back on earth, you would find it populated by apes? <laughs> damn dirty <laughs> damn dirty no, the, re- the reason I thought of that is because the stuff you're saying actually is reminiscent of something Charlton Heston says at the beginning of that movie where he's talking about the earth being you know I don't remember the details but essentially being a you know just thousands of miles uh, away thousands of miles away and you know I, I right. can't remember what he says, but it, it just reminds me of that and the feeling. It's very moving, actually. I'm happy you shared that with us. Yeah. Well, uh, it, re- it really was. But when I look back, you know, the first after my first mission, I landed, went through my medical test, got reunited with my family, blah, blah, blah. I finally made it back to my room. I'm getting ready to sleep. I've been up for 24 hours. So 
just like when you're on a business trip, I turned on CNN and um, the talking head was on there, blah, 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 Kim Kardashian, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah, Je- Michael Moore, Jeffrey Epstein, whatever, blah, whatever it was back in 2010. And after about 30 seconds, I, I would have jumped up, but I couldn't move because I felt so heavy. I slid over and I had to turn the TV off because it, was, it wasn't that the earth was populated by apes. It was just there was so much noise. It was like completely meaningless. The listening to whatever the meaningless stuff of the day was was like fingernails on a chalkboard. <laughs> like I would just wow. live in outer well, space. I guess you weren't following Twitter on space. So it yeah. gives you perspective, basically, is yeah. what it does. It was a very different perspective. Yeah, yeah. It, it really hit me. Like you got to, we got to filter this noise out. Then that that was like, I don't even know if there was Twitter then. Now you got Twitter and all this other stuff and Snapchat and Instagram and, um, yeah, it's easy to get overwhelmed with constant. I'm I'm totally distracted by my phone all the time. So it's the battle we all have to fight. All right. Last question is, yeah. has, by the way, has anybody, to your knowledge, ever had sex in space? <laughs> Lisa Marie Novak. You're gonna have. I, so <laughs> I got two answers for that. First of all, you got to read the book, Art of Space Travel. Um, <laughs> and second of all, it was a long 200 days. That's all I can say. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I didn't ask about masturbation. I asked about sex. Last question is, uh, where do you see the future? Like you've been in space. What do you think is going to happen in like, say, 30, 40 years? Do we have the technology to be in Mars and all that? or? For space travel, you know, it's funny. I was talking at, at the White House National Space Council. We have this National Space Council. And I was, they asked me to come do a quick thing about human or human space policy. And what I told the vice president was, it's not about the rocket science. It's about the political science. Um, if we can get our act together and actually stick to a plan and, and have it last for more than one administration, I think we can do amazing things. Um, wow. But if we keep on kind of our dysfunctional, I hate the last guy, so I'm going to cancel everything he did. Um, which has been our space program now for, for too long. Uh, we're never going to get anything done. You know, China doesn't have that problem. They don't have a two year, four year election cycle. They just have, have There's one no election forever rule. So they can come up with a plan and stick to it. Yeah. So I think we got to get our act together when it comes to that, or we're going to be, you know, in a, you know, in second place. I, I wrote, before too long. I wrote somebody, I think I've showed it to you, Steven. I wrote somebody in 2009, about exactly what you're talking about, how they cancel each other's space stuff. And I'd said that yeah. if you don't understand how important it is for us to go into space, you will understand it once China does it first. Yep. Because that'll be the you're day right. that'll be the day that everything has changed. When it used to be America yeah, who always sure. did it for and now it's China that does it first. And you can't recover from that. I don't think not yeah, not psychologically in the national uh, psyche. You mean something we don't we don't we don't want to learn what that's like. So not the national uh, psyche. 2009 was a bad year. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Not the national psyche. The international psyche. Yes, yeah. the whole world will see us differently at that well, point. Well, think of his French guy story. What it will say is their time has passed. That's yes. what it'll say. Cease to be a superpower. Just just to, it, we, we are not. We're, we're not the one to look at to do things first and best. And, and, and I mean, it's like now China is the one that goes to, to Mars and uh, nobody's going to ask about their poverty. Oh, right. Okay. I understand <laughs> that. But I mean, number one, that's spoken from the point of view of someone who I imagine has never lived in poverty. And so, 
you know, it, it's different coming from someone who no, is... No, as I said, it's a false trade-off. There's no, there's no trade-off between poverty and going to the, the space program. No, I understand that. Oh, yeah. But I mean, just for the symbolism's sake, if somebody is living in poverty and they see the United States investing billions of dollars in this thing, what are they supposed to think about that? We'll cut the last part. Well, somebody should inform them that, that, <laughs> that they don't, if, if we don't spend it on this, it doesn't mean we give it to them. Yeah. I agree with that. That's not what would happen. It wouldn't just transfer. Yeah, I understand. Well, Commander, thank you so much. You were amazing. And if you want to share any information or any uh, deals coming up. Uh, Yeah, just uh, like I said, I've got this movie coming out, The One More Orbit. We've got the new book, Art of Space Travel. And then the Apollo flight plan is a a pretty cool project. The the, um, Apollo 11 reproduction on uh, what's the website? ApolloFlightPlan.com. Yeah, so... And your your website the fire, but it's fun. And your 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 personal website that has all the information, correct? Yeah, my my website right is uh, terryvirch.com. Very simple, terryvirch.com. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you so much. And you, when you come to New York, come visit us at the Comedy Cellar. Come watch the show if you uh, if you're around. That would be great. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I yeah. promise to to limit Sean's access to you. <laughs> oh, In private, you can tell me the time you saw a UFO. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's different time shows, so whenever you want, just let us know. Often, Hot Tem tells me we have one of the greatest guests ever, and I've learned to, you know, I'm, I'm like Lucy kicking the, a, Ch- a Charlie Brown kicking the football, and it never turns out, but this actually was one of our greatest, if not our greatest guest ever. Thank you, Commander. Thank you, Commander. Ooh. Thank you so it's much. Great being here. You guys are awesome. Well, thank you. Thank Have you, sir. Day. Thank you. Take care. Yep. See you. Good uh, job, Hot Tim. That was a great <laughs> guest. That was a good guest, Hot <laughs> Tim. Well, he was great. It has nothing to do with me. He's he's amazing, really. No, but you got him. I mean, yeah, but... um, What do you say to them to get them to do the show? Can I not say it in air? Okay. I have to give something. <laughs> <laughs> so Favors? Uh, some kind of... No. Uh, he's he's amazing. I mean, when you when you see successful people like this and somebody who re- really reached the next level, and he's not like he's been to space. Like if I've been to space, I'll be like just wearing that jacket all the time, <laughs> like saying my opinion about everything, space or not. Like no, he's a grounded dude. Yeah, yeah. He's, and and his he's pretty was, even keeled. He's a grounded astronaut. Yeah, grounded astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, his books actually one his first book is all about like th- he took over three hundred thousand pictures from space. It's amazing. Really? Yeah. The wow. first book. Second book is all writing. Selfies. Yeah. And yeah. I'm gonna all send selfies. I'm gonna send Hot Tem the picture of Ilan Ramon, the Israeli astronaut, with my uh, CD. First of all, yeah. Israel is like what fourth in space now. We only fourth care about the first space. three. <laughs> yeah. And then we don't count until hundred. <laughs> we we play a little like game between us like how is Modi going to make this podcast about him <laughs> and nobody saw that coming it is, but it was good that, one that, that, it was that a was good one I was at that party I have a whole thing from there yeah yeah well, this one I have to give you that's right <laughs> you're really quite the good luck John. what else do you guys talk about behind my back I can't say it in front of the rap. <laughs> biggest anti-Semite. <laughs> so yeah, maybe we'll have you in a full episode uh, next time. Sure you know, because there's a lot of Noam has a lot of anger. Yeah, man. No, you, usually with only if we can make fun of Modi though. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so before we end, you, you guys want to let me just ask a quick question about uh, the Chappelle uh, special. Did you see it? No, not yet. I saw it. What do you think? I liked. Are you? Are I, you? Certain parts I liked, and certain parts I thought were dumb. Yeah. But I mean that. But I also thought it was one guy's. Careful, he listens to this show. Yeah. Does he listen to the show? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fine. No, but, but I, I didn't have a dumb. We got a dumb. But I think like some people were outraged. What about you, Noam? 
Did what? you watch it? Of course I thought it was, no. I, I watched it and I, I thought it was great. I laughed. My wife was laughing hysterically. Yeah. And uh, I think that the important point about his special is not whether you thought that Michael Jackson's alleged victims were lying. I happen to believe them. Yeah. It's that he's saying whatever he wants without That's a filter and he's absolutely. getting away with it, which is what it should be. I don't care. Right. 100%. I don't care if I agree with him or not. Right. Yeah. You're an adult who has their own this opinions. Is, yeah, you think you think it's not true. You 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 don't believe the victim. <gasps> yeah, yeah. You don't believe a victim. Yeah. So if somebody says something and you assign it to yourself. What happens? Like, yeah, he's out there saying, "Yeah, I don't believe a victim." What are you going to do about it? Yeah. And also, I really wonder how much is that a comedic license anyway? Do you really think at the end of the day that he doesn't believe these two guys? Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe he's doing it for the joke. For the no, I, I, I tend to believe him. You think he's telling the because, truth? The, whole uh, the time. reason I say I tend to believe him is because he had that great Macaulay Culkin joke, but that yeah. that joke was could have still worked even Either if he way, did yeah. believe them. He 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 could have made the joke about Fama pedophile. But it's, sure. yeah, but it's yeah. not only the Michael Jackson thing. He's, he he spoke about rape as well. That that I, well, I didn't see it. Don't don't, don't spoiler alert. I'm not here. spoiling. It's all over the. And I'm not saying what he but said. I didn't I'm watch saying, it yet. I'm saying he's that, what he talks about. And uh, you know, uh, being yeah. Gay, let's, let's just limit the whole conversation because Modi hasn't seen it yet. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> did you see it, Steve? No. Yeah. So I mean, like he. What, I, what did he speak about rape? Don't tell me. The, don't tell me the punchlines. What, what, what was this? I don't remember the rape thing. Uh. No, I'm sorry, not rape, abortion. I didn't think so. Did I say uh, abortion? I mean, abortion and uh, abortion, being yeah. gay and transact. Uh, I think know. he's probably the best to do it. Yeah. Stand up. I think it's the exactly. Best. I think Norm's one of his specials. Perfectly. He says, "I'm." The, he goes, "I took some time off because I'm the best." And I'm like, "He is the. I think he's the best." And you saw it. the Rotten Tomatoes thing, right? Yes, I did. <laughs> what like, was that? He has a hundred ninety-nine percent um, audience rating. And, and now 33%, it was zero for a while, now a 33% critic, critic rating. rating. Yeah. Meaning that once again, the elite, you know, fancy schmancy critics and uh, uh, Twitter types or whatever it is say one thing, and the general public loves him. Yeah. That's com comedy subjective. It's like, you know. Yeah, but I, I, was, I was surprised because there's a lot, of, I'm not going to say names, but a lot of comedians were attacking him on Twitter. Yeah. Who attacked him? I don't want to say names. <laughs> Do they work here? Name names. Why can't you say if it's on Twitter? It's not. It, it's yeah. not a secret. Yeah, it's on Twitter for Christ's sake. Why can't you say? Well, um, what's her name? The one we had in the show. Um, uh, what's her name? Rosebud. No. Rosebud. Uh, she she didn't like the transgender jokes. Oh, Jay McBride. Yeah, Jay McBride. You no, know, it's she's funny transgender. You say, I, well, I, I was I was standing outside she's the. She's pretty uh, easy going, Jamie. Yeah, I, that's I, that's why I was surprised. You know? I was standing outside the underground, and uh, I was having a cigarette with somebody, and a trans girl comes up, and she started. We started talking about Chappelle, and uh, she says, "Yeah, I like the new special. I just didn't like the trans stuff." <laughs> so, and I said, "Well, it's so, so but I know, you're I saying know. you were okay with the Michael Jackson stuff?" She's like, "Yeah, that was yeah, fine. right, right. <laughs> it had exactly. nothing to do with me. Yeah, that's why. Right, right. Exactly. Oh, what a bullshit outlook." Yeah. Well, listen. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know where I. I can. I. I. I can understand why somebody trans didn't have fun laughing along at the idea that what they what they claim to feel is somehow ridiculous. I, I get that. You know what? That's you know that's the world we but live you in. You know, like I, joke, I get that. It, it's it's to not see the point of. 
the whole idea of like, oh yeah, all the other jokes were okay, but that trans joke wasn't but, okay. But here's my. Is that what she was saying? Or she was well, saying, she said he shouldn't have it was, said it, which right. is a different that's thing. Wrong. Which yeah, is wrong. That's what. Yes. Yeah, that's inherently right. yeah. wrong. But also, there's a difference between when somebody, when a regular person say it and a comedian say it. You right. are a comedian. No, I, don't think, no, 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 I hate that argument. Why? Why? Because there's no fucking license to be a comedian. Anybody has a right to make jokes. No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, if you get offended and you that, are a comedian, okay. it's all about. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> I like when Norman apologizes. So yeah, if you're a comedian and it's all about pushing boundaries yes, and uh, taking the next level, right. so why would you get offended from all people? I, I, I don't get it. But I think he said it perfectly. Is is like his his special was about you know what? Fuck it. We're gonna say we're gonna take it to the limit, and nothing's gonna happen. And that's why people love him because they feel that he's not. And look, yeah. let's let's. I mean, this one we won't we won't mention uh, the names of people we know. But the truth is, a lot of people we knew came down really hard on Louis and his Parkland joke. A lot of people. Yeah. Yes. Those people have been notably silent about Chappelle and his jokes about Michael Jackson's victims. And I don't see how you can split hairs and say it's okay to make fun of well, these two victims. Louis was fair game already. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, right. like, you yeah. know what? If you really, if you really that outraged, then like, speak up. But you know, it's but, bullshit. Yeah. If but, anything, uh, though, I mean, uh, I don't know if it's bullshit. I just people don't have the courage to speak out against Chappelle. I don't know. Well, you it's know. even well, less defensible though because Louis was leaked. Chappelle is putting yeah. that, this out right. of his own accord. Nobody was mad that Louis' set was leaked. Yeah. Like, right. What, right. Where if it was a few, two years prior, they were like. How could you tape him at that thing and put it out? They, you know, get rid of it right now. The, that's why I didn't watch the or listen to the Louis thing on principle because this shouldn't be out. This is right. this is goes against everything right. that we. You, you, oh. you know that the guy who put it out, that you, you know the story. If you've no. forgotten the story, so he was a huge Louis fan. He wasn't trying to hurt Louis. He was a huge Louis fan, and he put it out on YouTube. And in the video, it's not really a video, but in the you know the they, audio. in the audio, audio that they put out on YouTube, he. Uh, put in the words comedy seller. Oh, really? So, so oh, people wow. immediately thought, so I contacted him. I said, what the fuck? This is not at the comedy seller. And that's how, I, and that's yeah. how I found out he was a big Louis fan. And I said, he's getting killed for this. He says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to take it down right away. And he took it down, but someone else had already yeah. grabbed, it. grabbed it and they kept it up there to hurt him. Well, so it yeah. was not, you know, I don't know if you remember, he came this close to getting away with it. I don't know if you remember, we could cut this part off if you want, but uh, the Kobe Shaq thing that leaked from here, remember? Oh, yeah, by an employee who yeah. sold out to so TMZ. We, we had, uh, we had uh, Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal, was on a stage uh, in an open mic uh, Tuesday, uh, music, rapping. Sunday. And he was, was a Sunday or Tuesday, and he was rapping, and, and he said all this rap about Kobe. You Kobe, know, tell me how you tell yeah, me how my ass tastes. That, you remember that, that? that whole thing. oh right, 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 and it was leaked to TMZ. You know, by well, yeah. whoever. Well, it ended up with a number of my with two well, of my employees uh, getting fired, and and it was a big thing. Yeah, and yeah. it made me. It was just another reason that I believe you can't trust anybody. But this is was one of the best thing about this place is like we we we, we uh, you know we never leaked anything when we were working. This was and we had and, and do you know how many hits that got? It oh, got know. like four or five million hits, wow. and none of them had an ad for the comedy seller on them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like if I was well, so, if I was going to release that, I would have like put right in the video comedy. Uh, well, one time, one time, uh, 
Chappelle, uh, Mostaf, uh, Q-Tip, every 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 rapper that you ever know. Those are rap. Those are rabbis. Those are rappers. <laughs> <laughs> rappers. So glad you bumbled that up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every rapper that you ever known was here. You know, and and he was uh, the real. In my defense, he can't say peace or rapper. Yes, does I like can. Rabbi. <laughs> no, it's not funny. Don't laugh. Don't give him the courtesy of a laugh. No, that was a good comeback. No, I had a few, no. few good ones tonight. <laughs> Go ahead. Can I finish this? Yeah, one? yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so they all were downstairs, and uh, and they're like, and she was like, "Can you open the stage? We just want to rap downstairs." And uh, you know, and uh, somebody told me like, "Oh, you should record it. This is gonna." And it was the best. We never recorded anything, obviously, but it was the be- one of the best night here. Like three o'clock in the morning, the most famous people are rapping downstairs, and the kitchen staff are cleaning around them. Why wasn't we recording it? Why weren't we recording it? It wasn't Before a show. You had a, your whole system. It's a shit whether we have a rule against recording anything awesome that happens on stage unless it's a show. Well, Manny said no at the time, so oh, you know, you I asked him. You have your whole system up. Yeah. That's because my father hated like rap. Cl- yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Believe me, if, if Yasha Heifetz came with a violin, he'd be recording it. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you guys so much. It was awesome. Modi, you want to share your information? Modi, uh, Modi underscore live at uh, uh, Instagram. Okay. Rabbi, you want to say anything? Sure. Um, Good night, everybody. <laughs> Steven. Steven Calabria, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-C-A-L-A-B-R-I-A on Instagram. And comedian Sean Donnelly. He's in the bathroom right now. And Live from America podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, okay. Oh, you want to say something? I just think that at the point, we should just let everybody give their name and Google it. Modi Twitter, Steven Calabria Twitter. I'm not on because every time you, you Google Modi... The, uh, the other person comes out. Yeah, so. if you Google Modi, you're going to get the president of India. Yeah. Until you get to me, you gotta, you, your thumb's going to be numb. But Modi Live just sounds so 90s. Oh, yeah? It does sound Well, 90s. that's when I got the site. <laughs> There's a reason for I that. I get that. <laughs> All right, good night, Okay, everybody. good night. Good night. You were listening to Live from America podcast. To contact us, please go to www.livefromamericapodcast.com. Brought to you by the Comedy Cellar and Rethink Production. 